welcome into the Non-Negotiable Podcast. I'm Gavin, and I'm here tonight with Justin. Hey, Juz. Hey, hey. And Pascal. How you doing, mate? Hey, Gav. How you doing? Good, good. Feeling much better than last week. Um, so we arrested <laughs> the little slide, the mini slump that we were on. Um, and uh, Emmy Martinez has now got my favourite ever diving header. It's overtook the uh, <laughs> Davis one against Charlton in 1989. So that's my new favourite one. So... Um, let's get stuck in because uh, there's a lot to get through. So first half, um, Juz, what do you think? How we started and and how we uh, that first few minutes before the goal, which was only about six minutes in. Uh, you know, a, a little a little sketchy. I um I've just kind of been watching uh you know highlights here again. Um, you know the early goal definitely. I think you know we we uh, were we're known for getting uh you know fast starts and i think you know the games where we can get an early goal we usually uh you know control it a lot better and you know obviously i think that was the intention it should always be but then getting that uh that early goal kind of uh well i don't know about the on field team but it rattled me a little bit you know um <laughs> um yeah well that's the past few weeks too i mean it was just more piled on top when it passed i mean when when Zinchenko cuts inside and he loses, he loses that ball. He's sixty-five yards from goal. How the hell does one long ball over the top do that? Yeah, there was. Um, I think. Uh, I think I, I was watching match of the day actually, and they did uh, um, highlight some of the um, issues. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but they did highlight some of the issues um, with what was going on. Um, with the first goal, so Jorginho was a little bit too deep. Um, he he, I think was a bit slow to react in that midfield, and Saliba just he 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 acts too late. So instead of he did the right thing and pushing Watkins onto his left, obviously without him having to cut in, but his reaction to him instead of doing it a lot earlier down the pitch, he kind of hesitates, and then that just gives Watkins that extra yard. And therefore gets into the area and then unleashes an unstoppable shot. I mean, the shot was fantastic. You can't take that away from him. But I think it's just leading up to that. We seem to be sleeping a bit. Um, I think this is, you know, maybe the debate with Eugenio and Party uh, about Party's defensive qualities. You could maybe see that in um, in that first goal. Um, but I think also, having said that, I think Saliba's reaction was just slow. Um, yep, he's fast, but so is Watkins. But I think what he did instead of reacting to that, just did it too late and we were punished, um, for that mistake. Yeah, I think all that's true. And and also, if you, if you look at that, Xhaka also goes maybe a split second too early. Um, he's alongside, Mm. he's a, he's alongside, uh, Zinchenko and, and he goes before Zinchenko's even cut inside. He's gone to basically overlap down the left-hand side. Um, and I do wonder if that's a consequence of the last few weeks, things not going so well and us just being so keen because it's interesting you said Jorginho was too deep. I actually think Jorginho was too high the pitch. Yeah, I actually I, meant that, high. Exa- My yeah, bad. Exactly. No, that's, that's exactly what I meant. It. Sorry. I think Jorginho was too high on that. Uh, yes, he and, was. And it kind of, it mm. kind of threw us out. And, and I do... Wonder if that's a consequence of the last few games rather than just this game. Um, but just so we came back into it, I, I thought we, I thought we actually came back into it pretty well, and that goal was a superb strike from Saka. 
Yeah, it really was. And, you know, uh, again, he's, he's the one that, you know, uh, for as young as he is, you know, is clutch and makes it happen for us. Great strike though. You know, you love to see it. <clears throat> yeah, it was fantastic. And while we're on Saka, the fouling on him is getting a little bit beyond a joke now. And I understand why they don't want to say anything because they don't want to make him more of a target. I understand why Teta doesn't want to say anything. You don't want to look like you're complaining. But Justin, they had a article in the Telegraph in England today. Mm. Um, it's behind a paywall, so I'll be honest with you, I've only read the parts of it I can see. But from <laughs> what it seems like on there is that the stats on it are that basically an opponent gets booked for every 10 fouls on Bukayo Saka. Wow. For a uh, comparison, it looks like an opponent is booked for every 4.9 fouls on Jack Grealish. I would hazard a bet that the number on Harry Kane is probably even less. I don't know if any of you saw this. It was so oh, yeah, he, later. But he, he, got he got fouled got by the ball. He got fouled yeah, by the ball, apparently. Dangerous. <laughs> and, Very uh, dangerous. Uh, well, well, I was, I was Antonio, worried for him. Antonio got booked for that, just so you just so you know. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll, have yeah. To, I'll have to see it. Yeah, the ball Watch escaped it. to booking. But, uh, but Antonio... Gav, on that stat, just sorry to interrupt you, on that stat, is there one in there where he said... That because Saka gets booked, four point eight fouls. That's it. Isn't that incredible on him? On it him, is, it is crazy. Oh, and, yeah, but a lot of that can be not justified. Don't don't hear me as saying what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's justified. It can be argued a lot that who gets who gets the booking most of the time. It's the person who retaliates, right? It's always the person mm. who retaliates. It's like when you're kids and one brother hits the other one, the other one hits him back. It's the one who hits him back that gets in trouble every time. That's how it is. And that's mm. how we're at with Saka. And you saw it again on Saturday when Coutinho should have been booked for a bad foul on him. He didn't. Saka got up, reacted angrily. Saka gets the booking. And I think that explains some of that of why he's getting booked. It is ludicrous and I'm not justifying it, but I think that does explain it. He's just basically not getting, he's not getting the protection that he needs. And he's also being punished at an extremely high level for the reaction. And we're seeing it again and again. So just that being the case, I mean, we're doing all we can, right? We've even changed the way that we're giving him the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't, I, I don't really know. I mean, you know, I agree. I don't think they want to speak out, you know, to, to not put a, a, like a target on their backs again. And and apparently um, we get fined for the littlest infraction. Um, but it's just, I do wonder why there's such a different level of protection between like Kane and, and, and Saka. Um, it's not just know, Kane, it's Grealish, it's Sterling. Yeah. It's, it's everybody and Saka. And it is the strangest thing. He's the twice running England player of the year. Yep. He's well-loved in England. It's not like the media hate him or people hate him. He's not. He's well-loved in England. It is the strangest thing. I don't know if this is an anomaly and it's going to sort itself out, but we've been seeing this for three years now. So I hope it gets sorted out quickly. I mean, just previous game, you know, we had a Bernardo Silva who was was lucky mm. to still be on the pitch, I think. He had three, four yellow card-worthy fouls on Saka alone. And that's the thing. It's not even yeah. the rotational fouling at this point. I mean... Yep. Pass. It's 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 one player doing it again and again. It 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 it's come down to, you know. I think it was. Uh, I saw. Um, uh, I think it was Craig Burley talking on ESPN, and he mentioned this 
Um, so it's not just us Arsenal fans. It's being mentioned, like you said, the article in the Telegraph. It was mentioned by Craig Burley. He said, I don't think anyone is saying that, you know, you're going in and you're expecting a free pass. You're expecting to, you know, things to be soft on him. No one's saying that. But what's happening is that referees are letting, it's very easy. It's like, we've talked about this before. It's like that Arsenal game against Man United for the, for us, for the unbeaten run that we had in the invincible, the season after the invincibles, when you let things go, then as a player, you know, you've got license to do it again. It's as simple as that. This is a, Saka is a player that's very tricky on the ball. He's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. As Arteta said for fullbacks, I think no, Zinchenko said that I think for fullbacks, he's a nightmare because you don't know what side he's going to go on. He's tricky. So inevitably he's going to be fouled. The problem is, is that the refs are like that Man United game as a mic, just as an example. But when you're letting them, when you, you're already saying to them, okay, that's all right, no problem. It's like the Martinez uh, yellow card for time-wasting. He was doing it a lot earlier in the game. But what you're saying to him is, okay, it's all right. But now we're in the 85th minute. I'll give you the yellow card now. So he's done all that time-wasting up until the 85th minute. You're only giving the yellow later on. So these players know this. They're seeing that the referee is not letting taking a blind eye to the foul so they continue doing it it's all coming down to them and i i have no answer we can speculate as to what reasons are, but i have no answer as to why particularly with him is it because he's a nice guy is it because he does not make a big fuss about it he doesn't get up or when or maybe Arsenal aren't making a big enough fuss about it and getting it into the referee's mind that this is an issue. I don't know, but it's just absolutely appalling. And it's horrible to watch because we've seen horrific injuries at Arsenal with some of our players. Because we are a tricky team, we've seen some of the most disgusting injuries happen to our career-ending injuries. And you just worry the amount of games that this guy plays. Even for England, we see it as well. Something horrible could happen at any moment, and it would be an absolute travesty. So, yeah, something's got to be done. Yeah, I mean, the, the you know the answer at the minute seems to be just to put more strapping on it. And so far, we're incredibly lucky that mm. it's worked, and we haven't lost him for any serious amounts of time. In fact, we haven't lost him for any time. But yesterday, from half an hour onwards, that wasn't the same with Kyle Saka on the pitch. I mean, he was dragging us into that game on his own yesterday. And he doesn't really take him was. off. He was. He doesn't take him off. No. But I think this is the thing. He's so important that even a half-fit Bukayo Saka stays on the field. Yes, He just absolutely. would not take because he just does not have an alternative to him. Yeah, absolutely. But for an hour yesterday, and, he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't ineffective and he wasn't... No. He wasn't invisible, um, but he was clearly hobbled. And, you know, we've got yeah. a week before the next game and I think he'll be, he'll be fine for Leicester. But it's just it's just something that I thought we had to mention because it's mm. now, like you said, being picked up everywhere. You mentioned the Martinez uh, yellow card pass, and I was going to talk about this later on. But we, we'll we'll just it doesn't anything that needs to be uh, no major forensic science into it. But I agree with you that by waiting until the eighty fifth minute to book him, it was plainly ludicrous. Is the answer to do what the ref did? in the Man City game the week before, where he gave Edison the earliest time-wasting booking I've ever seen on half an hour. Mm. If you do that, they can't do it anymore, right? So is mm. that the answer? Is it one warning and 
boom, there's the yellow card. You can't do it again. It seems to me that ref- goalkeepers are hardly ever going to get two yellow cards. You know what I mean? It's not like you're booking a central midfielder and saying you've got the next hour to go through on a tightrope. So personally, I think the answer is if they're time wasting on half an hour, book him then and then he can't do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, it's just such a such for us. It's very simple to look at that. I don't know what their reasoning is to allow that. But, um, you know, okay, we we it was very poetic at the end, obviously, because his time wasted led to the six minutes added on. And in the six minutes we scored. But and that the was fact so is, juicy. I, I'm, oh, I'm glad that he could, did it. We, could, we, that could, we can take fun. an hour talking about how amazing that was. But um, but the the whole we will get on the premise. That. Yeah, absolutely. But the premise <laughs> is, is that of the point is, is why are we allowing why? Why are they allowing this to go on for so long? It makes no sense to me. And, you know, uh, the City game was an absolute example of how you should do it. But maybe he should have been sent off as well. <laughs> Because yeah, he committed that foul on Enkedia, but that's another matter. But yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't see any reason why they should not be uh, yellow carded for um, for time wasting. Yeah, and it's it's straight away. No, it, it gets on my nerves when people keep talking about changing the rules of the game. I just don't see it's necessary. Enforce the rules that are mm-hmm. there. We have a six second rule, seven six or seven second rule with the goalkeepers. Just enforce the rules that are there. You haven't got to bring in a stop clock. You haven't got to, you haven't got to do any of that stuff. Just enforce the rules that are there. <clears throat> And it's it's easy done. Anyway, so we get ourselves back level, and it was a, a start that wasn't that wasn't great. Um, it wasn't terrible. I don't think it was as bad as some people are making out, but it, it it wasn't great. We weren't giving up tons of chances, but we also weren't creating much. Um, and then from our own corner, we end up conceding a second. It goes from one end of the pitch to the other with absolutely no pressure on the ball except from Odegaard, basically trying to chase down on his own. It goes back down the other end. Jorginho takes a terrible angle and allows the ball to go inside of White, who himself had had a terrible angle on it. The cross goes in. Great step over by Coutinho. And this is the thing. Them two Villa goals, we're sitting here picking the shit out of them. They are goals that, from Villa's point of view, Villa are going to go, they're great goals. But Mm. from our point of view, there's a lot to pick out of these. So Coutinho steps over, takes Shaka completely by surprise and manages to go through Shaka's leg as well. Um, and then a great finish. Just, I mean, <laughs> what did you uh, what did you make of that mess? Uh, I mean, so many, so much culpability on different players there. Uh, I mean, the thing that sticks out most to me, and, and hopefully I'm not being unfair here because I love him as a player, but uh, Ben White just getting passed by so easily is is the the big thing that sticks out in my mind there um but everybody you know it, it was just a calamity of errors really and and it's something we really should have done better on that especially in the uh the position that we're in you know absolutely needing a win tonight it just felt like uh you know players were sleeping yeah and it's White's body is in the wrong position. It's a strange one because he's he's pushed his balance so far onto his right-hand side that when it gets cut inside him, he, he just can't get himself back. Jorginho's positioning is awful and it allows that ball to get in between. And at that point, you're in all sorts of trouble at that yeah. point if you allow that to happen. And it's just silly mistakes like that that have crept in over the last few weeks. And to be honest, for the rest of that half, it kind of was a little bit here we go again, wasn't it? Yeah. 
So we get through at half time. And to, to be fair, they created nothing pretty much. I don't remember Ramsdale didn't have a save in the first half. The two shots both went in. We also created nothing. But it was kind of a nothing half. It was very bitty. It was very, it looked like a side that was trying to find some form back um, against a side that aren't very good. And that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, agreed. Well, I don't know what was said at half time, but we came out four or five minutes early. Um, I don't know if that was the players all running away from Mikel, or, <laughs> or if that was an uh, or if that was a uh, an instruction from Mikel. But from the minute that second half started, we were a different team. Pass in that second half. What did you see change straight away? Um, I saw our in- intensity change a lot. I thought we were um, we seemed a lot more switched on. Um, as I said, you know, the opening goal, we we, we seemed a bit slow, um, just out of position, not concentrated, um, a bit slow in terms of reacting. Our reaction was a lot better. We seemed very switched on. We the ball was the moving play. slower in the first half as well, wasn't it? Did you notice that? Yeah, correct. That's different. what I mean. So on and off the ball, um, we just seemed a little bit, the pressure was applied better off the ball. On the ball, we were moving it quick, quicker. The intensity was quicker. The interchanging was quicker. It just looked like, like you said, they had some kind of stick rammed up their backside uh, to just get them out. That's probably came out five minutes early. They seemed fired up. Um, and um, uh, their passing was a lot more intricate. We were getting through a lot more. Um, and yeah, we definitely upped it. Uh, for me, it was just all round, and 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 as I said, I think, yeah, Villa had, you know, we'll we'll talk about that, but Villa had a few chances in that second half, primarily Bailey's one, but they didn't really threaten overly. It was mainly us banging on the door, and I think that has a lot to do with how we were defensively as well as how we were offensively. Yeah, I thought we were actually fantastic in that second half. I think, mm. especially considering the occasion cut off the back of those those three games. I thought that was yeah. some of the best football that we've played all season. And I think a big part of it was Martin Odegaard was absolutely sensational in that second half. That is as good a football Zinchenko as I've seen too, anybody after, play. Yeah. But it seemed to be it seemed to be a conscientious decision just to get Odegaard on the ball more. In the first half, we seemed to struggle to get him on the ball. He was finding them spaces and we weren't quite getting the ball to him. And I think a lot of that was a result of the ball moving so slowly. It seemed like they were almost a little bit timid with their passing. The second half, it was definitely uh, a visible effort, wasn't it, to get the ball to Odegaard and get it to him early and often. Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, Odegaard is kind of the the, the uh, conductor, you know, if you will, uh, some of our best performances are when he's able to be on the ball and, you know, play make. Um, and I, I think that he, you know, he can be really key. I, I think especially without, uh, you know, Partey on the, on the day, he, uh, you know, getting him on the ball, having him, you know, look for the other guys conduct uh, is, is crucial to how we're going to play. It is. And he dictates the pace from that further forward role. Yeah. Which is great when we're camped in the opposition half, like we were for almost that entire second half yesterday. It's so important that we keep getting in the ball, keep getting in the ball, keep getting in the ball. And the leveler was coming. And that short corner routine, Pass, we talked about this last week, about how our set pieces were 
a little bit off. It wasn't quite working. And we said that the short corners, although everybody's, oh, my God, every time you take one, they were what was working for us. And, and I said then that I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of that. We saw quite a bit of that this game, didn't we? And the one that went in wasn't the only one that was close. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm one of those that, oh, no, not again. Because <laughs> so, we saw a bit of that in the City game and it didn't really pay off. But um, yeah, we we, we looked, um, obviously the routine we had um, seems to work the short corners. I felt that they, um, um, the goal, obviously, from Zinchenko um, came from that move. But we've also had one. Was it in the same game where there? Um, I, I do remember one. Which one was the other one that we had with the short corner? Can you remind me? There was we, a chance. We had before. a couple. We had one from the other side that got blocked. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it, it, it's obviously something they work on in training quite intently because we've seen it in other games before. Um, but yeah, the, the amount of space that Zinchenko had, though, was quite unforgivable, really, from a defensive side. He had so much space to hit that. But it, absolutely, I, I, I have to admit, I have been one of those that, come on, just put it in the box or let's, you know, because that has also worked for us as well, some of the set pieces. But um, it definitely um, was uh, effective in that second half, the short corners. Yeah, it was. And we've, we we were getting a lot of joy from the corners under the, we've had a couple, we've had the near post one, the far post mm-hmm. one, and the one right under the bar. They seem to be the three that we were That's really right. doing earlier on in the season. And they're the ones that kind of, the chances just dried up. I don't know if there's just too much tape and people were just moving around where they were putting people and congesting the areas. But our delivery also looked a bit off. So the short corner... It's a good variation. And when you've got players who are as strong on the ball mm. and as strong dribbling as Odegaard and Saka in particular, but also on the other side, Trossard or or Martinelli, I think it's it's something that, and, and Zinchenko as well, it's something that, that we are going to see a lot more of. And, and I don't mind it at all because I want those players with a ball at their feet around the box. Just yeah. with that, we do set up them shots from the edge of the area quite intentionally, don't we? We do, yeah, and I think it's um, a good a good strategy, um, especially when we have so many teams that sit deep against us. I think just having the option, uh, kind of keeping them on their toes more than anything, even if we're not scoring a, a lot from them, is a is a really good option. Yeah, and we do score quite a lot from outside the area. We we've covered this before that we I think we up until certainly up until the World Cup we'd scored the most goals from outside the area. And it's it's a ploy, and it's a ploy, like you said, when teams are bunkering deep. But also, we move the ball so well, especially in that little half space on the right-hand side with White, Saka, Erdegaard, and it was Partey mm-hmm. that was coming and walking on to, to shots. But we move it, and we create those lanes. And I think when you're taking them shots, if you don't buy a ticket, you can't win a raffle, right? That's what they say? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good ploy. And Zinchenko's had a few of them over the last few weeks that haven't quite gone to plan, <laughs> um, <laughs> to say the least. We've seen uh, we've seen a few hit the roof at the clock end, and you know it's just uh, it's it's not come off a few of them that he's tried. But that's his first goal for us, and that's his first Premier League goal. Just how crazy is that? Yeah, that is that is really crazy. I was surprised to hear that when they said it. But, you know, I mean, look how long it took uh, Partey, too. You remember how all, all the groans and frustration when he used to take those long shots that were landing in, you know, damn near out the stadium. You know what I mean? 
yeah, I, I still, every time he winds up, find myself going, oh, God, no, don't hit it. In fact, I was halfway through saying that when the ball hit the back of the net against Spurs in the top corner. I was screaming, don't hit it. So, but it's, a, it's a ploy, and I think it's a, it's a ploy that we're going to need to use more and more as teams bunker in. And if you look at this next run of games, we are going to be playing some teams that are going to bunker in. Um, so we've got uh, you've got to find a different way through, and, and sometimes that's it. I think the next thing, and, and I think Zinchenko to go to that was kind of uh, an example of the intensity that was improved in the second. He really stepped it up in the second half because I wasn't that impressed in the first half, and I hadn't. I thought he'd, his game lacked a bit of intricacy, you know, the usual that you get from him. But he really stepped it up in the second half. Yeah, he really, he really did. His intelligence is just—it's off the charts. So smart. And yeah, and his commitment is just incredible. After the goal, you saw that he runs back. Yeah, I think he said "fuck off" to someone. I don't know who it was. About four times. <laughs> I, don't I have no idea who it was to. Yeah. I, I, like I don't to, know who he's talking to. I like to imagine it was Emmy Martinez, but yeah, <laughs> he was definitely saying uh, it to someone. So next yeah, thing to, yeah. to come on to, I think, just real quick, is um, Eddie. So there's a couple of schools of thought on this. First half, Eddie Eddie didn't have a very good game, but no one had a very good game. <clears> I feel like we've been here before, um, be it the other way round against Man City. But second half, first half, Eddie didn't have a very good game. Second half, I thought Eddie was actually really good. It just won't go in for him. The header that came off the top of the bar, that was a great leap. I don't think he could have done much else with that. He got the touch all wrong from that brilliant Odegaard pass. Jazz, is it as simple as it's going to come? You know, I hope so. Um, I think he 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 gives us a lot of good work, you know, off the ball, and he he tries to make himself as available as possible. I think one thing with Eddie is that, you know, he's playing a lot right now, and I'm not necessarily saying it's it's uh, like physical fatigue, but I think. You know, you look since uh, really since the World Cup, since Jesus went down, you know, he's playing pretty much every minute of every game Yeah. for, uh, you know, I think this is the most he's played in in his uh, his career. And, uh, you know, I think that not only are teams starting to figure him out a little bit more, but I think, um, you know, it, it is fatigue. It maybe at least mentally, I just find him not as sharp or not making as good of decisions as he was. And um, I think we're really missing Jesus right now, to be honest. We are, but I, you know, I'm just not that worried. I, I think he's going to score against Leicester. I really do. And I think he's, Paz, is he just in one of them spells that all strikers have where he needs to get one, hit him on the arse and go in? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think, you know, uh, Justin's right. You know, I think he, he just needs that that one goal now to build the confidence up because I think the confidence you can see was clear in that Odegaard passed to him and he was put through. Why he went to the right, I do not know because he lessened his angle by doing that. He could have just gone straight and then just slotted it away or maybe slightly to the right, but it, it, he went so far to the right that he lessened his own angle. So he it, that... Uh, you know, a striker that's clinical doesn't really do that. They're going or someone that's high on confidence, like a Marcus Rashford or someone like that, is going to run straight onto that ball and just slot it away. So that it, it does seem to be confidence. I, 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 we miss Jesus. I think in overall play, but I wouldn't say we miss him because of goals. Because Jesus was going through a dry spell when he got injured. So 
I'm not, it's not that concerning. And I think as Justin mentioned as well, his, his pass obviously to Odegaard when he missed it, you know, he's, he works hard, he tracks, he presses, he does try and get involved. So I, I I think I'm not overly concerned. Uh, I think he just needs that one little tap in or, or something like you said, any, any way, whatever, you know, how obscure it might be that goal. But I think once he gets it, we'll see a, We'll see him back on his uh, getting the uh, shooting boots on again. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's exactly that's exactly right. You have something to add, Josh? Well, no, I was just going to say, yeah, Jesus was you know obviously going through a bit of a dry a dry spell, but you know the amount of goals the players around him, or you know Martinelli's you know also been struggling. Uh, Odegaard, yeah. he's he's not scoring as much. So I think even though uh, you know Jesus isn't. Uh, you know, a highly prolific goal scorer. I think we we still miss him in those. You know, bringing the other yeah. into the and it's just yeah. something that I, uh, Eddie isn't. You know, um, it, it, he's. I fine. think when I say yeah. miss, when I think we miss him, yeah, like you were saying from a playing perspective and bringing others in and drifting his work with Martinelli. Um, but I think from a goals perspective, that's the only side I would say I don't know if we're missing him that much. I think it's just more the overall play. But then you could say yeah, more goals come when Jesus is playing from other players. Yeah. Maybe that's an <laughs> argument as well. So um, I think um, just quickly on it, maybe Fabio Vieira is the new mate to Martinelli to help him score goals because well, we'll talk about that later. But that might be, you know, apparently they've got a good um, rapport as well in terms of um, playing. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, before, I think come, though. before we go on to uh, to Vieira and Martinelli, because I do want to touch on the subs, because I think it's the first time in Arteta's reign that the subs have, have really worked, or just about the first mm. time. Um, yeah. But we will touch on that Odegaard miss real quick, because I'm so glad that we got that those late goals, because, like I said, I thought he was absolutely sensational in that second half. And I'm so glad that we are not on here today, and all we're thinking about is that miss. You know, because, I mean, it was a bad miss. There's there's no doubt about it. And sometimes I don't know what it is with him, but just occasionally, like I said, I think we have two potential Ballon d'Or winners in our squad. I've said this over and over again. It's Saka and it's Odegaard. I think they are two genuinely world-class players now that we have. And uh, I'm just so glad that, that that miss didn't count for anything. It was great work by Eddie. Um, and then to cut it back and lay it on a plate and then he missed like that. I'm just so glad we're not. But let's get on to the subs real quick. That Xhaka 4 Vieira sub is one we're seeing more and more often. Um, it's pretty much every game. I don't think you're going to see Vieira start. But I think it was the first time, Pass, would you agree that Vieira has looked like a Premier League player when he come on? Not just the assist, but I thought all round he helped up the tempo of the game. Yeah, and he did some work defensively as well. He did some key work defensively. I thought he... Um... He 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 seems to, and I think you had mentioned this before. We both all agreed on this that it's totally intentional by Arteta in the last few games of bringing him on, yeah. um, and I think that in itself has helped him. Even though maybe he wasn't so effective in the previous goals, but it's helped him to understand the role of what is required of him. And I think we saw that when he had that little cameo, um, because he looked a lot more confident. He looked assured. Um, and uh, did some defensive work. Um, but I think for the first time, we really saw a player that might might be that alternative um, that Shaka brings, um, an alternative to Shaka in that position. And you saw that in the in the goal because um, he was just um, he was excellent with that. I know it's an open goal, but you still have to put the ball through. He was calm on the ball. He took it away. So I was very impressed with him. 
yeah, he, I thought he was sensational when he came on. He really was. He really was good. And we haven't seen that from him. He's come on and he's took a while to get in the game. And Martinelli was incredibly impactful as well, just right? I mean, he come on. Trossard hadn't had a good game. I thought Trossard had a, had a pretty poor game, actually. Um, and Martinelli come on and really affected it off the bench. And it, it's, it's nice to know that that option is there between Martinelli and Trossard, that we do have one that can come off the bench and change the game, isn't it? Whichever one it is. Yeah, definitely. I uh, it's it's really good that you know we had subs that made such an impact. Um, one thing that I've always been a little uh, questionable with with Arteta on is is how late he makes the subs or how even infrequently that he does them. But to give him a, a little credit, we don't have um, you know there's usually not very much impact off the bench. Um, yeah, not so, many options to make the impact. You mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, to have these two guys come off the bench and, and, and link up for uh, for a nice goal is is really promising. And I uh, I agree on the, you know, what what Paz said about Vieira, too. It, it This definitely feels like, um, you know, like a long game uh, getting these, you know, bedded in in, in the position with these uh, these minutes. I uh, I think it, it could pay off, you know, pretty well in that that uh, pass to. Uh, and uh, to Martinelli to put him through. I mean, there, there, there was perfect weight on that. Really nice ball, you know. Yeah, it was. And the the celebration before Martinelli, <laughs> yeah. uh, before it even got onto the, the ball. Boat. I think he just knew, right? <laughs> Pass for as soon as he played that, he knew the weight was right. As long as he got the weight, there was only one place that was going to end up. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got Martinelli running on it, right? So you kind of know what's going to happen. So yeah, why you, not you celebrate couldn't pick anyone that goes in? You couldn't pick anyone. No. No, no. I think Martinelli also did a little celebration, didn't he, before the goal? Yeah, but, um, yeah he threw his, but, threw his arms out, much to the uh, chagrin of uh, of Gabby Agbonlahor, and it always makes me Oh, of course, the celebration police. Yeah, it always celebration makes me happy when uh, Gabby Agbonlahor is unhappy. He's actually pretty pro-Arsenal, but that was Villa, so he, I he, guess that explains it. He just likes it, a little but... moan up every now and again. He had the little he, he moan does. up after last he year. Does. And, you know, Laura Woods, he's generally pretty good at pulling him up on it. <laughs> exactly. I was just expecting Richard Keys, but what's happened to him recently? He must be still we, fighting with Qatar Airways. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to go into a Richard Keys watch later on. We'll we'll try and figure out some uh, Richard Keys tweets. And I guess that brings us on to the to the goal that turned out to be the winner, not the final goal, but the one that turned out to be the winner. Um, it's one hell of a strike, isn't it? Pass from Jorginho. Oh, fantastic! It's um. It, it was, uh, it's one of those moments where, especially for us, where we've been, um, you know, over the last three games, having this, you know, these doubts creeping in and, um, you know, we, we're a little bit of injustice against Brentford, uh, then beaten by, you know, the Petro Club, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously we, we, we're at a point where firstly we were losing in that game and then, you know, you're 2-2 two, two and you're still thinking, okay, 2-2 two, two, is not great. But And then for someone to hit that, the way he hit it and then rebound off Martinez's head, you just couldn't ask for a better ending. I mean, actually, there is a better ending than that because it's coming right after that goal. But what I'm saying is in that moment, it was just absolutely, and he smacked that. Um, yeah, perfect, man. It was, uh, it was one of those moments where you, you just love the sport and you love your team. We love our team regardless, but you just love it so intensely in that moment because it was just amazing. Yeah. And it comes right, right off the back. 
have a similar scenario at the other end, but Ramsdale gets his hands on the ball, makes an amazing save, and the ball bounces clear. Just mm. when Bailey hit that, it looked like it was going to find a roof of the net. It did, yeah. I mean, it was a really intense, uh, you know... <laughs> Sorry, <clears throat> my apologies. Uh, yeah, it it was a, a intense moment in the game for sure. But I thought the um, the the save just the 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 whole passage of play was just brilliant, really. To to go straight down on the other end of the pitch and just do what we did. Um, you know the 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 Martinelli pick out and Jorginho just smacking it and bouncing off the head of Emmy. And I mean, it couldn't have happened to a better guy either. You know, um, but just <laughs> just just the whole run of play was was incredible. Yeah, it, it was. And I mean, we've already done the fourth goal because, you know, we were talking about it with the Vieira and Martinelli subs. But after the game passed, did you see Emery's comments on Martinez about going up for the corner? Oh, I thought you were actually going to say, did I see that scuff in the press box? Because I'm trying to find... Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any video of that. that. I would love to Where see a it? video of two Where is the video for this? I want to know what happened. What's going on? Um, yeah, I did I think see it was open, I was actually quite... Slaps. <laughs> I was amazing. Um, I am. Um, I think. Um, <clears throat> I think Emery. I was very. Actually, I was quite surprised by how candid he was. He was obviously angry, um, frustrated. Do you think? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Like, like for all intents and purposes, Martinez last week publicly declared that he wanted to leave. Right. Wh- whichever way you dress it up, he said he thinks he's a Champions League goalkeeper. He wants to be playing in the Champions League. The only way to interpret that is that he wants out. Right. I don't. It also says a little bit about Emery that I think in the 95th minute of a game, when you're 3 2 down, why the fuck shouldn't your goalkeeper go up? I would want my goalkeeper going up because. Well, this, what's is, the this point? is. But does I mean, that tell you, know, you this, about, a little bit about Emery's mentality as well? It absolutely does. We know yeah. what his mentality is. I mean, this is a guy who goes conservative when the other team has 10 men. So, you know, it, it's no surprise that he got pissed off about that because. He's the he's a very pragmatic manager. He doesn't like risks. He won't take risks, um, and um, that's indicative of the way they play. But um, at the same time, if that's your manager and that's the way he plays, I guess as a player you're supposed to abide by that. So either he's doing um uh, he's trying to rebel and just say you know screw you, I'll do whatever I want. Or there was some misinterpretation in the instructions, but I was I was actually you know I I, mean, I don't I, I don't have I don't dislike Martinez. I just didn't like the time wasting, and I don't. I always found his comments after he left just a bit childish, and you know I think majority of people who weren't Argentinian didn't like him in the World Cup either. Um, but um, but yeah, I was quite surprised, um, and I think he said um, there was something else that he said. He said that he was. He also commented about the time wasting. I believe I didn't see those comments, but I I read um, from an Arsenal columnist that he had said something about that as well. So he'd been critical of his time wasting. So um, so something's going on there, obviously. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is as much a public dressing down of Martinez as a whole as it is anything about that he actually did. Um, I think Emery took a chance to really give him a public dressing down. And I, I, I don't think it mattered what it was. I think he just wanted to basically knock him mm. down a peg or two. Um, and again, I don't particularly care. It's Aston Villa. I, I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you. I don't like Aston Villa. Um, in 
it must have been 96, 97, I guess. Me and uh, Monin Imran and a couple of other mates went up to Villa Park and we drew 2 2. Uh, Savo Milosevic, you remember him? He, uh, he yeah. scored twice yeah. for Villa that day. That was might have been Tommy Johnson years. History. Yeah, Tommy Johnson was there. Tommy um, Johnson. And, uh, yeah. Well, Merce scored a late leveller for us that day. And uh, we are walking back to the station from uh, back to Birmingham, New Street. And um, by the time we got there, out of the five of us, three of us were covered in spit where Villa fans are walking behind us, just basically spitting on us. Wow. So, um, yeah, I've never been a fan of uh, been a fan of Villa for that reason. And uh, I'm still not a fan now. So I was delighted when that went in. Um, Judge, when, when that <laughs> winner went in, it kind of, did it feel like something lifted? Did it feel like the last three weeks had not hadn't happened, but it kind of almost felt like it's going to be all right? It did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think going into, you know, stoppage time being tied 2-2 and just being able to, uh, you know, to finally kind of exercise some uh, some demons there was, was great. And, uh, you know, the team needed it. We've been saying that. Uh, you know, pretty much the last few results, but we really needed a win here. And it, it, it did. And for it just to happen in such a, like spectacular fashion as well, you know, Jorginho gets off the mark and, you know, Martinez being pretty culpable on it, you know, it was just really the perfect winner, you know? It was, it was. Okay. Let's, let's wrap up that there. We'll come back in a second half and we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit more on what it means as a whole. And we'll, we'll go through, the next block of games and 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 what they're going to mean and and how exactly we're looking at this now um and obviously we'll look forward to Leicester as well so um we'll see you guys after the break welcome back to the non-negotiables podcast let's start by Looking at what that result means in terms of the title race, in terms of the weekend, not just our result. So, obviously, we get that win and it feels great and we go back to the top of the table. And I don't think any of us thought that there was any chance that we'd still be top of the table Saturday night. And it's a complete almost a complete 180, right, from the end of the Man City game pass because we're almost back to where we were before we started that game. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it, it 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 was very unexpected. Um, not so much our result. Maybe you could have questioned that when we, all, we were 2-1 down, but um, more Man City's. I don't think anyone expected them to drop points in that game at all. And and let alone Harlem missing a, like an open goal, basically six I, yards out. I was going to say as well, if you saw the game, you'd be even more surprised because the chances they had. Yeah, yeah, they they missed some absolute sitters. Um, which I wish I was saying that they had not missed so many and that Nottingham Forest deserved the one-one, but um, because it just shows you they do have they have it within them. But um, but yeah, it it, it it's kind of a great example of what the Premier League does bring you. Um, there is that unpredictability. I mean, there you know, you 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 look at that game against, like you said, against Forest, and you saw the amount of chance they missed. Once they went one 0 up, you're thinking, okay, here we go, it's two three nil, end of the game. But um. 
Yeah, so I'd never, I don't think anyone could have, um, even the most optimistic of Arsenal fans could have expected us to be two points clear. But we are. And um, yeah, I think it just puts us, it's, it's, I think I, I think I said it to you guys. I think you all agree, but I, I said even before the City game, this was a massive win because I think it's not just, it wasn't really just the points, but I think psychologically it puts us back in the mix again because there was always going to be a period where we have a, a down period of kind of a lull. I hope that's the only one, but it, it seems this is now at least given us an injection of energy and and some belief which um which is really important with the coming games come uh that we have ahead of us which are a little bit more um let's say uh the fixture is a little bit more friendly on us not that taking anything for granted but we don't have any of those uh teams in the in the, i think any of the big six so uh so yeah well you can look at this next block of games however you want to some people are saying well one game at a time some people are looking at it in blocks of three there's really a block of there's a block of five before an international break, but there's a block of six before we go to Anfield. And to me, that is the natural break of the next block. So we go to Leicester, then Everton at home, which technically is the game in hand, then Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Palace at home, Leeds at home. We've got a real chance to put our foot to the floor, a chance that I really didn't see us having. I'll be honest. I I really didn't think we were going to get this this opportunity. But but Judge, this is a real real chance to put our foot down and really get a stranglehold on this, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Like Paz said, they're they're kind fixtures for us. Um, and you know, with the Prem, you never know. You know what you're going to get. There's no easy game. But this is you know very kind considering you know some of the other runs we've had this season. You know, you you look at Arsenal and you you look at these next five and think, you know, we can we can win all five of these. And um, you know, I just we've got a great opportunity here to build a, another bit of cushion. And you know, City, well, we have the the game in hand against Everton, like you said, technically, but City's got a Champions League tie and an FA Cup tie as well. Um in in their their run of next few games. So I think we've got a really good opportunity here to uh, maybe establish a little bit bigger lead if if we're if if we do our job. Yeah, and I've been saying all along that I don't believe Man United are in a title race. I'm really not looking at them. I'm still not looking at them. But just in case you are, for those next six fixtures, Man United play four times during them six. One of them is three of them are away. One is away at. Tottenham, one is away at Newcastle. I know, sorry, one is away at Liverpool, one is away at Newcastle, and one is away at Brighton. Pass. We've got to be coming out of these games with United firmly in the rearview mirror, right? I mean, like I said, I don't think they're in it anyway. I know you, you kind of, you're not ready to write them off yet, but this is it, right? You'd think so. Um, I, I, I have, I have to admit, there is a part of me which has been quite impressed with them because. You know the Leicester game. This is the thing. They were they were lucky in the Leicester game in the first half. Um, uh, they uh, I don't know. Leicester missed so many chances, and uh, De Gea was in one of those those moods where he was just um, saving every shot. But they are they are proving to be pretty tough to beat, and I think it just shows you how well we did to beat them because um, they're on an incredibly good run uh, since um, since the World Cup. Um, 
and they picked up an enormous amount. I think I think uh, I, I saw again, you know, my this problem, I saw a stat. I think it was since um, I think they'd have picked up one more point than us. I think um, since their second defeat, uh, I might have got that wrong. I think since their second defeat, they picked up one more point than us in terms of their run. Um, so they're, they're in a great run. They have a clinical striker at the moment. Rashford can't do no wrong. So um, I do find them quite surprised. And, and they're fighting on all four fronts. I think that's going to obviously change. But they're on. They're in. They're in all the cups that they're that they're uh, that they participated from the beginning. So um, I w- I still think they're going to drop. I agree with you. I think away is where they come short. Um, so they played us away. Um, they play City away. They lost those. I think when they play Liverpool, I think Liverpool will beat them. Um, and um, I, I don't know about Newcastle. I, I, I think Newcastle might struggle a little bit now. That's I think they're going to hit their kind of uh, lull. Um, so I'm not sure about that. But I think Brighton, again, a team that we beat, very tough. So I think we're going to see some drop points. I, I, I don't think they're going to keep this up. But I have been quite impressed how they have been able to keep it up and still be a talking point in the title race. The only thing I will say to that, and this is credit to Scott um, Odak Crab on Twitter. Since the World Cup, they've played 10 games. They've played six of them at home. They haven't played. Mm. They've played two teams in the top half of the table. Mm. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they are on a they are on a good run. But they're also coming through their easiest part of the schedule. And now it tightens up. And they're already, it's five points of a game in hand, right? For us on them. I'm mm. pretty sure it's five of a mm. game in hand. Mm. So they're at a point where they, you know, and we're now down to what, 15 games to go, 14, 15 games to go, depending on who you are. So yeah. we play 23, they play 24. So yeah. we're at a point where they, they just can't draw points. So, and, and, they're, they're... and that's. That's the thing for them. I just think they're, they're too far. They're too far behind for them to overtake both of us, and that's why I'm not saying they can't catch one of us. But the reason I don't think they're in a top race is I don't think they can catch and go over the top of both of us. So, but I don't. Want I to think spend. it's the away games. Gary. Yeah, it's and the I'm, away games that do them because they're good at home. They beat us. They beat. Um, they beat City. They beat Liverpool. They have beaten uh, a multitude of top Spurs. Uh, well, actually, I said a multitude of top clubs, and I just said Spurs. That was a that was a mistake. Um, but um, they so they are good at home. But I think it's way where they come short. So I think this is where we're going to see them drop off. Yeah, and I agree with you about Newcastle dropping off as well. I thought that's been coming for a while because although defensively they've been good, their their metrics going forward have been terrible. Um, and eventually, if that is how it's working for you, eventually those defensive stats will turn because this is the Premier League and that's what happens. And I think you're starting to see that now. And Liverpool are on a bit of a charge. So I think if I was to predict the, the fourth member of the of the top four right now, I actually think it's going to be Liverpool um, that are going to get there. And quite frankly, that's probably the best way. I don't really want Newcastle getting there because then that's another... Um, basically more on the balance sheet to get around FFP. So I don't want Newcastle getting it. Obviously, no one ever wants to see Spurs in it. I feel sorry for the rest of the Champions League if you have to watch Spurs. So it's the best. I think the best for everybody really is Liverpool do come back and get that get that fourth spot. Um, and I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So moving on 
to the weekend, Juz. Um, do you want to bother doing starting 11s? I mean, is there any point? We said last week there's only so many ways you can say White or Tomiyasu and Trossard or Martinelli. And here we are again. Do you want to try and find a different way to say it? Or, or what do you want to do? <laughs> no, I think you pretty much just covered it. Yeah, there, there's no, uh, you know, those are the only two that I, I really see being, um, you know, changeable i think it's still too soon for for smith row to get a start uh, but hopefully we see him get some minutes in this uh this next one against uh lester but yeah, yeah i don't I... know if we will just because i think in a tight game i think arteta is gonna be loath to throw him out there um with uh, you know with how long he's been out for so yeah. i think it's you know we're gonna see Fab- fabio vieira again for shaka i think that's almost nailed on that we're gonna see that sub Tommy Asu will come off a white or white for Tommy Asu. Same with Martinelli and Trossard. They're going to swap over at some point. Unless we are running away with it, which I've got to be honest, I don't see. But unless we are, then I, I don't think we're, we're going to see Smith Rowe, really. I just don't think we're there yet. So when it comes to the game, Jazz, what are you expecting? Did you watch Man U, Leicester? I did not. No, I missed that one. All right, so Pass will back me up on this. The first half, Leicester absolutely trounced them and should have been three up. Second half, United could have had seven or eight. It was an odd game, and Leicester looked pretty good going forward and horrendous defensively. So we've got a... Juz, it's it's just about us putting our foot down, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, we've got the the skill to beat them. I'd say we have superior players in, in, in most positions. It's really just about, you know, us showing up. And if we do, you know, I'm confident that we can get the job done. Um, yeah, me too. Pass, you watched the game on Sunday, the United-Leicester game. I know you watched that. Um, there were some areas where it, we can really get at them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's it's Rogers, isn't it? That's, that's, he's just so... Um... they have the attacking capabilities, which obviously will be a bit concerning for us because defensively we've been a bit off it um, over the last um, few games. So, you know, the Barnes is a threat. Madison, we all know what he can do. Uh, Ian Acho is hot and cold, but he can cause a few problems. Um, So, yeah, they... He he looks some player, didn't he? Yeah, he does as well. Yeah, they, they... they they definitely have attacking threat, and that's where we have to be sharp. Um, and that stems from obviously uh, where Jorginho's playing to our uh, uh, to our back four, um, you know, and the press that we undertake. So we have to be very aware of that. But they will leak goals. That that is a fact. So one thing we have in Armory is a way to you know unlock, pick a pass. Uh, Leicester's not going to play defensive. Rogers just doesn't do that. He does not apply a defensive format. So we've struggled a bit um, over the last few games against defensive teams. That's why I was so pleased we beat Unai Emery's Villa because I was worried, oh, God, no, another team that's just, you know, defensively, defensive mindset, very few shots, low possession, low block. I thought, oh, here we go. But so I was really pleased we got over the line there. Now we're going to be playing a team which really will come on the attack and they're at home as well. So I think that's perfect for us. If we can get it right to hit them on the break, um, I, I can only see us winning this one. I think we'd have to really be totally off it to be defeated against Leicester because it's the perfect team to play with the way that we we adopt. And I, as for starting 11, I think it's going to be Ben White. Ben White actually played well. I, I didn't think he was that bad, but barring the 
Villa, uh, the mistake for the second goal. I thought he was good in the second half. Um, so I think it's just going to be uh, Martinelli in, White in, and then the usual suspects barring party. Yeah, I think that's pretty much nailed. Um, I, I don't see any way. And I, I agree with you. I think they're going to come out and I think that's going to play exactly into our hands. And and that Vout Fast they've got at centre-back, he is possibly the worst centre-back that I've ever it's seen. It's a poor man's David Luiz, isn't oh he? Oh my God, he is awful. And I don't, and they signed really Vestergaard. He is terrible. Yeah, and they signed Vestergaard from Southampton. What are you doing uh, playing that fast? I, and he's been but, bad but let, Let's hope in. he plays. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. But I think we've, and this is what I was saying with with Enketia. I think Enketia keeps getting in a position. He had a positive XG again on Saturday. He's getting in position to miss. Just this is the game to get back on track, surely for Eddie. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Pause brought up or brings up good points about uh, Leicester being open. They're going to attack us. They're going to come at us. And I think that's a game that's really going to suit Eddie. Um, you know, we we saw again uh, with the with the George with the Jorginho goal. One of my favorite things about Eddie is his his pressure on the back line that forces mistakes, that forces turnovers. Um, and you know, uh, Valt Faze is a, a you know a target. I mean, if Eddie can run at him and force some turnovers off him, it could be a, a really good avenue for some easy goals for us. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident Eddie gets one or two this weekend. Yeah, and they knock it around at the back, which is exactly what we like. Because one of the biggest problems we had with Everton and Brentford, where we really didn't create too much, we couldn't win the ball high because they weren't interested in keeping the ball. They were just hitting them long straight balls and immediately dropping back and regrouping. And it's that's tough to play against. It's tough to play against for anybody. And I think Leicester are not a team that's going to do that. They're going to knock around. They're going to give us chances. They want to score goals. Everton and Brentford didn't want to score goals. They were just happy when they came along. And I think Leicester are going to go out to score goals. Um, Tillemans has not been starting. I expect he probably won't start again. Is there any chance, past that we're looking at someone that might be with us next season? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I know you've, you've not been... I, I, am I correct to say you haven't been overly no, I'm impressed not huge, by him? No, I'm not a huge team. No. And I think he's a very one-directional player. I mean, where would he play? The Shaka role, right? Is that you what we're think. thinking? Because he's not in a holding, is he? No. Role. No. Um, okay, so if he has high hopes for Fabio Vieira, then um, that role doesn't... Because he's not, he's not going to... Unless Shaka is sold... In summer, because I think you've we've always agreed on this that Shaka would not want to be a a backup role, would he? he wouldn't want to be uh um on the periphery. He he wants to always be in the first team. So unless one of those was to part, perhaps. But I I'm I'm with you. I haven't been convinced by him this season. Maybe it's it's because his mind is set away from Leicester, um, and therefore has had an effect on his game. It could also have a, uh, a part to play that Leicester haven't been particularly good this season in general. Um, uh, so they're not reacting maybe very well to to the manager. I don't know. Um, I, if it's for free, I mean, you could make an argument that he can offer something in Shaka role. But um, yeah, I, I, I think the focus is definitely going to be in that holding role. I think that's going to be where we're really going to put our... Uh, 
our eggs in um, in the proverbial basket because I, I don't I, I think that's where we really need to to get um, some strength in. Um, I, I I don't think so to be honest. I don't think we're going to get him, but um, but absolutely he would be free. So I'm not sure. I, I I personally don't think so, but who knows? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that ship's out. I think the more interesting one to me on that side of the ball actually is that I believe James Madison has one year left on his contract this summer. I would be a lot more inclined to view Madison as someone that would be capable of coming in and making an impact at ours than Tillemans. And if he's only got one year left, he's not going to be the 60, 70, 80 million you were thinking about last summer. Um, And also, thank God we went for Odegaard when we did because... But isn't he more the Odegaard, though? He's more the Odegaard, though, isn't he? The Odegaard role? Because I think he was the one that we were... Where do you see that left eight going? That's the question. I think there's, there's, mm-hmm. we, you know, this team has evolved a few times under Arteta, right? We started with that back three that we knew Arteta didn't want, but it was there, it was in place. He kind of had to keep going with it. Then we were the Kieran Tierney overlapping team. And now we've gone on to this next evolution. Well, the one that's going to be, there's two players that I think will be, will, will wean our reliance off of them over the next year. And I think one is Thomas Party, and I think the other one is Granite Shaka. I, I do think that. I love Shaka. You know I do. I've been a Shaka fan for a long time. But I do think we are coming to the point where the next evolution is Partey and Shaka. And they've been our two most important players for God knows how long. And we have to wean ourselves off of that. And I think you're going to see a Rice, a Caicedo, whoever it is coming in. And I think you're going to start to see us really move away from those two. Um, maybe not completely. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a year where there was a lot more ins and out of the team and you know Arteta likes to bed players in. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Xhaka and Partey starting before Christmas and then after Christmas you saw more and more of whoever it is that we bring in. And I just wonder if that left eight is going to end up being more of an advanced role as we start to dominate games more and more. Because we've we've been having a lot of 70% possession games, right? So if you've got all them 70% possession games, is it that important to have a more defensive-minded player in the left eight? Or can you get away with it just with someone like Madison there? Yeah, I agree. I think that's the direction that we are, um, that we're moving into, having a more offensive eight in there instead of, uh, you know, someone like Xhaka. Um, I think you're already seeing it in the way Xhaka has been playing this season, uh, that that is the direction that we want to go in. And I think as brilliant as Xhaka has been, uh, some of his, some of his limitations in the attacking third lead me to believe that, you know, I think Madison's actually a really good shout for that position. I don't know if uh, it's financially feasible, especially if we're, you know, going to target Rice this summer. Um, But yeah, I think he would actually be a a really good fit for that. He's not a, um, like an out and out 10, like a luxury player 10, you know, he knows how to, um, to cover a lot of ground to press to, you know, uh, he's not awful defensively, you know, as good as an attacking midfielder can be. I think he would be a, very capable in, in dovetail nicely with uh, a left footer like Odegaard as well. So, yeah, I tend to agree. And I, I think we're going to be looking for two pass. Do you think we're going to be looking for two 
central midfielders in the summer because that's kind of how how I see it. I do think Jorginho is going to get the contract extension, by the way. I don't think this is going to end up being an 18-month deal. I think it's going to end up being a two-and-a-half-year deal because I think they'll exercise it. But I still mm. think that we're going to go looking for two. If you think Elneny's going to be gone, uh, well, he's not going to be gone, but you know what I mean. He's not going to be playing. He's going to be out until Christmas. Wow. And he's going to rehab and then he won't be playing for us next season. Um, Sambi will not be playing for us next season. I, I, I'm sure of that. No matter what happens with that loan deal, him coming back and starting yeah. for Arsenal is the least likely option of, of whatever else. So I think we're going to be looking for two. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that would make sense because I think Shaka is. Um, I, I think Shaka. They. They. they I, I. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm with you on that. I don't know if he'll actually be here after summer. I'm not sure, but I think that would make sense if they are. Um, and uh, again, going back to Tillemans, I wouldn't rule it out though, because I think. Um, I think. Well, Arteta, you know what happens if we rule it out, Pass. If we rule it out, then it's nailed on. It's going to happen. Then he's going exactly. So <laughs> we, you know, because the, the 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 thing is, is with the way I I look at Arteta is if he sees a player and the potential of a player in a specific position, he usually not all the time, but usually can make it work. And I think someone like Tillemans, I I do feel that he's dropped off at Leicester, and I think a lot has to do with the fact that. He's not going to be here next year. He doesn't want to be there. He's not re-signing the contract. Um, they're probably thinking elsewhere outside of him. Um, so I, I, I think maybe he could he could be someone, if he feels he's the, the right person for the role, he could make it work with a player like him. Um, and I think that's the important part is what Arteta can do with that player, not so much what that player is doing at the moment. So I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule that out. Um, but I agree with you. I think I, I, I personally, I feel it's going to be two players in. I think Rice seems, the rumours seem very, very strong on us in for him. And apparently we're already in discussions. I mean, this is what they're, they're suggesting and they're coming from somewhere. Um, so I think that's definitely going to be priority. And then I, I, I feel there'll be one other. I agree. A, a more advanced player. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um so really to to cap it off um if no one's got no one's got anything else because i think we've we've been we've been through it all really but where are you now on i know we were all pretty low after the man city game although i think i was the only one who declared that we were out of a title race <laughs> don't think you two were quite as hyperbolic um but but where are you where are you now Jazz? where's your where's your feeling now on 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 where we are are you cautiously optimistic Overly optimistic? Are you getting naked and running around your lawn screaming 49-49 undefeated? <laughs> well, I think it's funny how uh, how fast things can change in uh, in football. It's I think you know we heard a lot of after the city loss that you know the, that's it that the title's gone. City's going to be more consistent than us. You know they're better for us player better than us player for player. And um, in in you know one game week it does seem to have already turned around with them dropping points and us getting a, a, a nice win. I am cautiously optimistic. Um, I think we were more consistent than city in the first half of the season. So I think we can do it again. I think uh, some of the, I think for instance, like Jorginho's is going to help, even though I wasn't overly excited about that transfer, he has um, impressed me and been better than I expected him to be. 
And he's definitely better than our previous options there for filling in for party, you know, in El Nani and Sambi. Um, Trossard, I think, gives us a lot. There's there's reasons to be optimistic and think that we could, you know, finish this second half of the season in, in really strong form. We've got more depth. Smith Rowe to come back as well, of course, which, you know, brings a lot of end product. Um, so, yeah, cautiously optimistic. And I... I definitely don't think we're dealing with the juggernaut in city that that's been in previous seasons. So it's, it's there for us. It's there for us. It's more about our own consistency. Yeah. I think that's a good place to be too. Um, Pash, do you remember last year we were talking and I, I, I'd said to you that I wasn't going to sway wildly and veer with result, result, uh, win or loss. You know, we were very inconsistent. We were a young team growing up. And I, I think I think the difference this year is that we have put it all together. We are growing up and we are in a title race. And I just think we're at a slightly different point now to where a year ago when I said to you about not veering wildly from side to side. I think we're in a different different point now because I don't think this team should be going on three, four and five game slides, whereas the team we were last season, I could understand why we were. Um, where are you at, optimism-wise? Yeah, I'm optimistic because I think uh, also last year, it wasn't just two, three games of not winning. It would be two, three games of just losing. Um, I think the three game that we, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't include the FA Cup game, but I think the three league games where we did not win, we didn't lose all three. We we drew in two of them and we lost to, to City. Um, I think also what we're seeing is our home record is excellent this year. Um, that That's a difference to last year. I think we, we're really showing a strength at home. Um, and look at the, look at, our um was it three losses and three draws that's championship um that's championship form so i, I there's a massive difference i i also feel that uh, we're coming from behind and winning games we there, there there was a feeling last season i think the only time i felt it this season was um yeah mate not so much the city game i think it was the everton game when we would go a goal behind, you just could not see us getting back into the game. I I saw that far more often last season than I, than I have this season. I always feel this season there is a we still have that capability to come back in. I don't feel that the game is beyond us when we're when we're behind. Um, massive difference. I'm 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 optimistic. I'm very optimistic, of course, of us making top four. Uh, I think that's that's there. Um, but um, I'm optimistic that we we have a real shot at, at winning this. I feel there is something in that team, and also quite a few last minute goals we've scored this season as well, which is which is also a sign that we're pushing to the very end. Um, there is not this mentality of giving up. We're really going for it. So I, I'm uh, yeah. Ask me the same question after the City game. I was despondent, but I still feel optimism about the season, and and ever more so after that Villa game. Yeah, and the last minute goals is a is a good thing to bring up. Actually, that's a very good point because I think that shows a, a belief, and we can see in this group how much they are in it for each other as well as in it for the fans and and in it for themselves. And I think those last minute goals, just when they when you keep doing it, it's not luck, right? No, definitely not. I I agree with with the belief 
um, there does seem to be a whole new level of of belief with this team. And like Paz was saying, it's it's easy to see the 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 change from last season in in, in just the fact that you know we never quite look beaten there's always that chance you know we can come back and and uh yeah it's it's not chance though there's definitely a a a level of mentality that this team went up and a level of belief where they think they can do it and it it changes a lot you know on the pitch yeah and they're they're still being quiet on Jesus and and how long he's going to be out for but you you've got to think now from everything we've read everything we've been seeing we're talking about a matter of weeks Mm -hmm. and if we can get through this Leicester game. We've got a nice run of games after that. If he can be eased back in, man, that could be the, that could be the pivotal moment. Jesus coming back could be the pivotal moment in this, in this title. Would you say Liverpool is realistic? I think he's going to be back before that. I think he will be back before that. I think if you, if you. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I think if you, Liverpool's on the 8th of April. I originally thought he'd be back in April. Right, so right. Okay. I think there's there's a gap. There's an international break after Crystal Palace. So we play Crystal Palace on March nineteenth, and then we're back at home against Leeds on the first. If I'm going to make predictions, and I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on TV. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm hmm. a medical professional, so don't come to me for advice. But we've got Palace at home on the nineteenth. My guess is that he's going to play some part in that game. You've then got the international break. I think he starts in that home game to Leeds. And if that is the case, that's the game before a week later we go to Anfield. What a boost. Mm-hmm. That's, what a boost. Oh, massive. And then I think, you know, then that puts us in, that puts him available, you know, providing uh, he doesn't get injured again. But uh, that would then put us with the sequence of games with City away, uh, Newcastle away. Um, Chelsea at home. I mean, Chelsea at home. Um, you know, if there's games that you need him back, yes. those are the ones. Yeah. 100%. So, and then obviously, if we get through in the Europa as well, we're gonna that probably be in Ketia's area, but just to have him as an option as well um, would be uh, excellent. So, it, it couldn't be any better timing, man. I just hope it, you know he doesn't have any setbacks and he's ready and ESR as well, which uh, yeah. hopefully we can get something out of him towards the end of the season. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic. All right, guys, let's end it there. Um, hey, I have uh, one more thing, real quick. Yep. I don't know oh. if you guys saw this, but uh, I just I I had to bring it up. So, um, Palmeiras manager Abel Ferreira was uh, interviewed, and they were asking him about uh, you know football manager and whatnot. So here's a quote from him. He said, "So I always train small teams." Teams from the second division like Penafiel in Portugal, where I started my playing career, or Braga, or teams who never win titles, someone like Tottenham. <laughs> I did see that quote. And as an avid uh, football manager and championship manager player for the last 30 years, I, uh, I personally have never been Tottenham. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it because I tend to start with, with small teams. I've got a great save going on at the minute with uh, RB in, in Denmark. And they're about a similar level to Tottenham. I get about three thousand every week, and have never won a title. So it's <laughs> it's a it's a similar situation. So, it's so funny you. whenever they whenever they lose. The two clips I always see is that uh, I don't know where in the um, where in uh, Asia it is, but it, it could be China or but with the um, Asian guy, and they're asking him about the teams he knows. 
Oh, you know, yeah. that's the one I see. What's it? Uh, what? Hotspurs? Hotspurs or something. <laughs> and there's that one and there's Chiellini. Chiellini's coming. The history of the Tottenham. They are good, good chances. <laughs> yeah. So uh, long may yeah, that we, continue. We can thank uh, we can thank Chez for that one because that's uh, he, he did a very good job in that Juve dressing room of uh, oh, amazing. Letting, every, amazing. letting everyone know what the deal was. Love that man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll um we'll probably be uh, we'll probably be together again before the uh, before the end of the week before the Leicester game. But uh, I'll uh, I'll see you all later. Thanks for coming on, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye bye.